Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good evening and welcome. We are broadcasting live here at uh, Club Paragon, Highway 100 in Greenfield. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the Huddle, the divisional round of the Huddle. Back at it again tonight. Packers getting ready to play host to the Seattle Seahawks uh, this coming Sunday, 540 kick time. And, uh, like I said, the divisional round we've got alongside from uh, Spectrum News. Uh, Dennis Krause is here. Scott Grodsky from CBS 58. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll start with you, Dennis. Because there's a lot of hype, obviously, for this game. There's a lot of memories regarding the Seattle Seahawks. And, uh, but how, how do you put this game in perspective? I think you have um, two teams that have found ways to win. Uh, Packers and Seahawks have both won their share of close games. I think 11 of 12 Seattle wins have been by one possession or less. So they've been resourceful. This is a banged-up Seattle team, uh, a Seattle team that's had to cross the country now two weeks in a row, or will. Um, So I think there's a lot of things in the Packers' advantage, but I do foresee a close game. Scott? Well, I think it's two teams that have lived and died by, well, really just lived by close games so far this year. They've both been phenomenal in close games. Seattle's been very good on the road. I think that Seattle is banged up. Seattle does have holes. But to look at Seattle as a, all right, start planning for San Francisco or possibly the Vikings coming in is wrong. They're they're still Russell Wilson. They're still a very dangerous team. And I, I think that both of these teams, both Seattle and Green Bay, are not getting the kind of respect nationwide that they probably should be for being at this point in the season, and both are getting overlooked a little. Yeah, I agree with Scott on that, and I think there was uh, some Packers fans kind of exhaled when the Saints lost. But for my money, Russell Wilson at this stage of his career is more dangerous than Drew Brees. I I would agree with that. I just don't know if he has the personnel around him uh, to be able to get the job done. They don't have really a running game. It's a different Seattle team. We've obviously, in Wisconsin, we've watched Russell Wilson and kept an eye on him a little closer than I think most states would have for a guy going out to Seattle. But you've seen the team wasn't always his team. It was Earl Thomas's team. It was Richard Sherman's team. He had Doug Baldwin. He had Marshawn Lynch, which I know he has Marshawn Lynch now, but he doesn't really. This this is his team now. 100% ride or die with him. And so it is a very different approach than the team that the Packers ran into in the uh, NFC Championship game a few years ago, or even the team that has lost in Green Bay the past few times in the regular season. It's just, it is a very, very different makeup where everything is 100% on him. We had um, uh, Ross Tucker from NFL Radio.com and NFL Insider on the other day, and he said it's tough to get past the first half of the Detroit game 
Because otherwise you would have a lot more confidence in this team most likely coming in and the way Aaron Rodgers overthrew people. The most overthrows in his career, he was 3 of 17, I think, in Bell's 20 yards or more. Um, is the narrative, Dennis, too focused on Rodgers? I mean, it's always been because of, he's been spectacular, but are we focusing too much on the inability that they have faced regarding the offense and not focusing on the team as a whole and the way they've been able to get to 13-3, and three, which is very hard to do? I think when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I would put it this way. He's, he's not what he was when he won two MVPs. He's still good enough, in my view, because he has Aaron Jones now. He has a defense that's um, good enough, I think, not dominant by any means. But I think it's a mistake if anyone's expecting Aaron Rodgers to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday. That's just not who he is at this stage of his career. And quite frankly, that's not what Matt LaFleur is looking for. To me, there's a difference, though, between him not being what he is and him being what he was for the last two weeks. Because the Vikings game as well, there were some uncharacteristically bad throws. The interception was a bad throw. There were times he was late. There were times where he overthrew. I still tend to think Rodgers is better than he gets credit for right now. He had, what, three interceptions all season? Right. And a lot of the time in the first 14 games out of the year, his numbers are better if MVS catches a 50-yard touchdown at some point. If... if uh, Geronimo Allison doesn't fumble. Like he, He's put some balls on the money. He had the Jimmy Graham touchdown a few weeks ago that wasn't a touchdown because Jimmy Graham couldn't run to it. I, I don't think that he's as bad as he's getting blasted for right now, but the last two weeks were scary to me. I just want to say that if they play like they did against the Redskins, Giants, or Bears, they will lose. Well, the Giants was right. fine. You know, He played uh, fine against the Giants. Yeah, but I mean... The, some of the mistakes you made in some of the games late in the season, they're not going to be able to get away with. No, and, and we've talked about that, that if you if you play a poor half or a quarter of football and allow them with turnovers and such, there's no coming back from that usually. You can't do what you did in Detroit and expect to come back. Uh, Detroit was a team that they wanted to give you their all, and then as soon as you gave them the ball two or three times, and all of a sudden they looked at the scoreboard and said, oh, my God, they're still in it. They realized that game was pretty much done at that point. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they should go into this game hoping to play a 40-minute game instead of 60. Obviously, you want to play the complete game the whole way through. To me, Seattle has holes, too. It's not San Francisco. It's not playing Baltimore. If they have a bad quarter, season's not over. Is, is, no, it, is but it an I, uphill climb? Absolutely. But I think is... at some point what your hope was was that you were going to see a four full four quarters of football yeah, out of and, this team, and, and we just haven't seen it this season. And I agree with you that, that we haven't really seen it yet this year, and I, to win the Super Bowl, obviously you're going to have to get it. And to I don't think you have to, to win this game, and I do think that if 10 minutes in the Packers find themselves down 10 nothing, you don't need to panic. No. It's a Seattle defense that – as much as Wilson has taken the next step and is now one of the top five players in the NFL, top three quarterbacks in the NFL with Jackson and Mahomes, the defense is not what it was five years ago. No, it The isn't. defense is not what it was two years ago. Uh, this year, Andy Dalton and Matt Schaub both threw for 400 yards against this team. The difference between the Seahawks and those other teams I just mentioned, all those other teams that had rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Right. Russell Wilson will exploit any mistakes you make. Right. And... The Packers secondary, I think, in particular, has to be careful about being over-aggressive in this one because well, he'll, he'll beat you. Yeah, that's the other thing is that they have been. And uh, Kevin King leads the team in interceptions with five. He, uh, he, he can be a culprit at times. But then again, it's, your, it's the aggressiveness and the willingness to say, I've got confidence to take a chance that has made him good and hopefully only gets him better. But t- talk to me about the secondary. Do you, do you believe in this secondary, that they're heading down the right path with the personnel that they have? 
I like the secondary, and I like the fact that Kevin King has been healthier this year than he's been in the last few years. I, I think Sunday is going to be a great litmus test because I'm not one of those that's ready to put Metcalf in Canton. Okay, he had a good game against the Eagles. He had a lot of drops this season. Right. Okay, there's no question he sculpted. I mean, he's a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't by itself mean you're a great football player. So let's see what happens Sunday um, because I, I think if the Packers, Mike Pettin has his dream to shut down the running game like the Eagles did, even though I don't think the Packers' run defense is nearly as stout as Philadelphia's. But if you can shut down Travis Homer and – an aging Marshawn Lynch brought out of retirement and force the Seahawks passing game to beat you, then that increases the chances that you might get a turnover because they're looking for the pass. Fletcher Cox had a game, had the game of his it life awesome. in that game. Uh, the only thing I can think of is is if you have Kenny Clark stuff in the middle and Zedarius and Preston Smith with 25 and a half sacks come into this game and really contain Russell Wilson and force them to pass, then, like you said, Dennis, that's where you're going to find out what you actually have. We know the soft underbelly has been the linebacking position. It's been over the middle. It's been something to where we don't. you got them shut down on third down, and then all of a sudden they're moving the sticks because something's loose across the middle. The weird thing for Seattle is, though, it's a team that no matter what the game situation is, they're not going to give up on the run. They haven't had success with the run. They don't care. They're going to keep running and hope that it opens up eventually. And hope well, unless you get down. As well. If you get down by they, enough scores. They've it... still been running. I, I, eventually, yes, there is a point where you're not going to punt on the season. But they, they have had games where they are down, they are not running successfully, and they keep trying to run it. So I, I do think that you have to look out for that. And they do that because they're such a big play strike offense, and they don't want to be one-dimensional. It's um, worth it to them to take the two-yard run, the three-yard run on first and ten if they still have the option to then throw the 50-yard pass to lock it. Broadcasting live out here at uh, Club Paragon, Highway 100 in Greenfield. If you want to stop by, we are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They have some specials tonight. They've got terrific food here. And uh, the place is wide open. Got a lot of people here, but it's a huge space. So if you want to come in and join the program, feel free to do so. Dennis Krause alongside Scott Grotsky here as well. I'm Bill Michaels. We got more coming up right after this. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I think it's pretty easy, to be honest with you. I mean, our preparation has been the same as it is every other week this season, and I know our guys are looking forward to it. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of outside noise, and we just got to go about our business, trust our process, and do what we've been doing all season long. Welcome back to the program. That is Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and uh, he is talking about, uh, obviously, prepping for Seattle, getting ready his first stint as a head coach to uh, delve into the playoffs. He's in the divisional round after a 13-3 and season. We are broadcasting live out here at uh, Club Paragon, Highway 100 in Greenfield. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. Stop on by and say hi. And this is one of the last opportunities to get registered for the big screen TV we're giving away at the end of the season from ABC Audio Video. They were pro- they promised to have that in your home, set up, ready to go for the big game coming up uh, first weekend in February. Dennis Krause from uh, Spectrum News 1 alongside. Scott Grodsky from CBS 58 is here as well. Uh, we started off talking about Aaron Rodgers, but... Does Aaron Rodgers need to be Aaron Rodgers in the postseason for this team to win? Or because now they seem to be more balanced. They have flaws, but they're more balanced, that he just has to, dare I say it, be a game manager? Eventually. I think they need him to be Aaron Rodgers. Whether it's going to be this week, next week, or the Super Bowl, I don't know. I don't think this is a team that can win the way that Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl with the Broncos. I, I think that... At some point, they're going to need him, whether it's for a quarter, a half, a game, or a drive, 
he's going to have to have that moment. I think it's interesting you said that about a drive because you think about the Detroit game, and he did enough when he had to. Right. I think if people are looking for, and I said this earlier, if you're looking for 2010 or 2011 Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, that's gone. Okay? Now, the 2019-2020 Aaron Rodgers, I still think can be good enough because of what's around him. Now, one of the things that he does best that is taken for granted, I think, because we've seen it for so long, he doesn't turn it over very much. And in the playoffs, that's enormous. The analytics they put at PackersNews.com to talk about how quick he gets the ball out between zero to two seconds, two to four, and four or more. Uh, I thought it was interesting because it, it showed the, the steep decline of accuracy and quarterback rating two seconds or less, pretty much right there. Two seconds to four seconds, declines a little from 2011. Four or more, which is where he's made his living, Dennis, in scrambling, pointing, getting guys in the right place. From all of that, it has dropped dramatically. Is it fair to compare that to 2011, his best statistical year, when he had James Jones and Donald Driver and Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley and Randall Cobb? You go through that list and you're like, and Jordy Nelson. And you go through that list and then you say, Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and you go through Marquez Valley. Is it fair to really do statistically that analysis to say, here's Aaron Rodgers and his decline? I don't think it's fair on a couple of counts. First of all, he's 36 years old now. Okay, let's let's not kid anybody. He's not the ascending or peak guy he was then. Uh, I'm not saying he's in his prime anymore. He's not. But I still think he's not Y.A. Tittle on his knees either. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for an old reference for you? Wow, you uh, delved back in that one. <laughs> as far as the analytics about the time he has to throw – you're exactly right about the weapons around him. What a what a world of difference yeah. from what he had in those days to what he has now. It just there used to be that feeling of any time you started to see him break contain in the pocket, you knew it was going downfield, you knew it was going to Jordy, and you knew it was going to be complete. You don't have that feeling anymore, and I think they they tried a lot in that Lions game to get Marquez Valdez Scantling involved and to have him as the deep threat and to have something on tape for the Saints, Seahawks, whoever it was going to end up being that they were playing. They wanted to have a threat on tape, and you saw how that worked. It didn't. Do you think, and this is just hypothetically, but let's take 2020's season coming up. In the offseason, they go out and get a veteran wide receiver. They stockpile it with, say, two really good draft choices. Do you think then the Aaron Rodgers that we were so accustomed to seeing begins to ascend again? Um, no, in the sense that I think he'll be better when there's more weapons around him. But again, I go back to if you're looking for him to have some of the numbers he had in those MVP years, I just don't see that anymore for a couple of reasons. I don't think that's what Matt LaFleur wants as far as balance with his right. offense. And I'm not sure Rodgers at this stage of his career is physically capable of that. And I don't mean that as a slam. I just mean it as reality. I do think Sunday is going to be an interesting – the draft is good with receivers, so they'll get at right. least one receiver receivers in the draft. Uh, but for this Sunday, this Seattle secondary is not is not what it was. There, right. There's no Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor walking yeah. through the door. So I actually like Alan Lazard a lot. I don't know how in the world he wasn't drafted with his size. I don't know how in the world he didn't make the roster out of training camp. Yeah. So, and I may be the lone wolf on this, but... 
everybody has just given up totally on Marquez Valdez-Kentling. Well, but all it takes is one big play in right. the playoffs to kind of turn yeah, things see, around. Yeah, see, for me, I, but, think, I but, think there's a chance you could have an MVS Janice type thing where he has a couple of long plays like the Cardinals, but to me... I, I was with you. I didn't want to give up on Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I'm not giving up on him as a receiver in the future. But to me, what happened in that Detroit game, that was the end for me of Marquez Valdez-Scantling this year as something you can rely on. Maybe there is one home run play That's there. my they question, take a shot. because but. Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know, what's happened to Marquez this year? And his answer was, I don't know. And they went on to talk about everybody else. Yeah. So it sounded to me, and I said what spoke the loudest was what he didn't say. And that is, well, he's have got, he's got problems with route running. He's lost his confidence, this and that. So the question was, when Jermichael would lose it, Jermichael, you'd have to get Jermichael involved. You've got to throw him a ball early. Let him get a catch or two, and then you know he was into the game. If Aaron Rodgers is going to say, I can't trust him, I'm not going to throw it to him, he's got some drops, we're going to let him go, then what the hell is he doing on the field? Well, and frankly, you've seen his time on the field go down. Not right. counting the Lions game, you've started to see him getting seven snaps in a game. But how can a guy get it back if you're not going to throw to him? Um, you're, you're basically eliminating his position. It, it's impossible without you throwing it to him. But keep in mind this. He, he brings a dimension, and I'm not apologizing for him. He's been a massive disappointment. I'm not trying right. to sugarcoat that. I'm just saying his speed against that Seattle secondary right. is a good matchup. See, the scary thing for me when you're talking about massive disappointments is the one place that you want to attack Seattle, the place they've been vulnerable all year, is tight end. Jimmy Graham used to play there. I don't know what kind of game he's going to have against them, but it's there. And whether that means putting in Tanyan for a few more reps, getting Jay Sternberger active and on the field, even Mercedes Lewis has been more of a receiving threat this year than we saw last year. I, if, if ever there is a time for you to look back and say, okay, the two years of the Jimmy Graham experiment were a problem, but at least there was this one shining moment, this is the game for it. When Jimmy was at Lambeau Field, was it? Three, four weeks ago and caught that pass over the middle. I think he rumbled for about 30 yards, something mm. to that extent. I thought, okay, here we go. This is going to be it because now he's starting to feel it. He looks strong. You know, Aaron bragged about it after the game. Went back to nothing. You know, it was like, you know. It, and, and I can't figure it out. I mean, yeah, I, It's I've like been, Jake Kumro. They talk so much so highly about Kumro and the route running and, you know. I, I've been a Jimmy Graham apologist for a while, I think. Uh, I I loved what he did in New Orleans. I loved what he did even in Seattle when he started to be a little more of a red zone-only threat. After last year, I still thought, okay, you know what? It was an anomaly. He only had two touchdowns. He's at least going to be a good red zone target. He caught the touchdown in the opening week against the Bears, and it's just it's not there. But, Dennis, they can move the sticks with them, where it's not getting you big plays, but Mercedes Lewis has proven he can get you the first down. Uh, Tanyan can get the first down. Graham can get you a first down. So that then goes back to the quarterback. Or if you're scrambling, are you looking downfield or are you looking to move the sticks? Well, but in Rodgers' defense, the tight ends have to win their battles and they have to get open. He can't force them open. And I think that the way the tight end position looks now is not the way it's going to look in July. Jimmy no. Graham almost, oh, I agree with that. certainly will be bought out yeah. uh, or cut, I, sh I should say, to avoid the, the bonus. And then Sternberger... You know, you mentioned about MBS. Is it too late for this year? I don't know if you're looking for much from Sternberger this season Probably if you're going to get it. 
But I do think you're looking at him next year. I think you're yes. looking at Tanya next year. Yes. And I think that if there's going to be a spot where they bring in a free agent, it'll be there. Yes, I agree. Um, do you think that, they bring in a tight end? You keep think an it, eye on Austin Hooper. Do you think they bring in a wide receiver as well? Well, I, you can get receivers in the draft. Yeah, right. I, but, I think but, it's a very deep draft at receivers. But here so. we are back to the same discussion, though. If we're talking about trust, and it takes a long time to learn the terminology. I mean, we're still talking about the difference of terminology and learning. And, and these are all the things that they were talking about back in training camp. Now, if it takes you a full year to absorb it, do they have that time? You know what, to me, I, I think if they really thought that was as big a problem as we sometimes think it is, then Ryan Grant wouldn't have been the addition right before the trade deadline. And they would have made the move for Sanu. They would have made the move for Emmanuel Sanders oh, instead of going with Tell me Sanders. this. Why didn't they make the move for Emmanuel Sanders? Because he's proven to be a hell of a I wide receiver a mistake, for San Francisco. I, think, I do, too. I think if that was their priority, that they need to have a veteran for it, I think you would have seen them act on it this year. But we sit here today talking about they got Devontae Adams and a bunch of dudes. Well, the, the dudes who they drafted, as much as there were high expectations for Marquez Valdez-Scantling this year, you still got to go back to what they were in the draft. He was a fifth-round pick. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think Dennis would agree with me, it's a deep receiver draft. I don't expect them to wait until the third day to pick a receiver. I expect them to pick one in the first two rounds and possibly two in the first three rounds. And I do think there's a different level. I mean, we're talking about DK Metcalf. There's a different level of a guy you can get in the first two rounds versus, what was it? It was MVS, Jamon Moore, and Equinemius St. Brown in, what, four, five, and six rounds. All of those were seen as projects a little bit. You can get guys who are more NFL ready. And Moore was the highest of the three mm -hmm. in the draft. Um, if you're asking my prediction, I think they'll draft two receivers, including one in the first couple days. Uh, I think they'll sign a second-tier veteran receiver. Right and maybe spend money at tight end. I can see the tight end because I think you definitely need to upgrade that position. And if you do that, that to me changes the entire dynamic of this team. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, they go back to being a, 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 to me anyway, unless, of course, there's an upgrade, say, at middle linebacker or something to that effect. Suddenly you've got somebody that can cover over the middle consistently. But then I think we're not talking necessarily about a team that's the matchup coming up this Sunday to me is, is precedence at area Smith. Kenny Clark up the middle and what they can do to contain Russell Wilson. I'm not worried about the run. I'm more worried about Russell Wilson breaking free. But you know what? And, and this goes to something Scott said earlier. Seattle has its problems, too. I mean, in Seattle, I'm sure they're on talk radio talking about their offensive line. They're banged up. Yeah. Banged One up and wasn't line. that great to begin with. Yeah, the whole right side of their so line's banged up. every team this year, I think more than most, that's still in the, in the NFL playoffs has flaws. The most complete team being what, Baltimore? Yeah, to but... Me, yeah. I, I still pick Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. Did I, you really? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, Kansas City's defense is flawed. Their offense Kansas is good, improving, but improving. Too. Yes, they've yeah. gotten better down the stretch. To me, Baltimore is the most complete team. San Francisco might be the second most complete team, but I just, I, I'm not going to trust them until I see it. Um, it's hard for me to trust a team that has not had a quarterback that's gone deep into the postseason. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that applies to Jackson, and it applies to Mahomes, actually, for that matter. But I, I, to me. And Garoppolo. To I me, think I just I, had I the experience the of the AFC Championship. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did get the AFC yeah. Yeah. But he lost. Okay. So he, hopefully, from his sake, he learned from that. Which is why it's so interesting for me for that game out in San Francisco on Saturday because you got Kirk Cousins who finally got a you-like-that-win in the postseason and Garoppolo who's never played in the postseason. Yeah, but, I just, with the 49ers, I don't trust them. I haven't trusted them all year. I've been wrong all year. I went into that game of uh, with the Packers thinking, all right, Green Bay is probably going to win this. What they lose, thirty-seven to eight? Correct. I yep. mean, it, they got dump trucked at the end of that ball game. It, it's just been sort of one of those things where I keep waiting for, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. 
Emmanuel Sanders is still their number one with maybe Debo Samuel up there, Matt Breida, Raheem Moster. But like, you have Kittle. He's a game changer. Kittle is, is awesome, but it's still like in my head he's not Kelsey yet, even though he probably no, is No, but he's, he's, he's got the mentality of Gronk 2.0. Yeah, it, it just – in my head – it's not a team where they don't have the same fear factor. I don't think like, okay, Mahomes is going to go deep seven times in this game and you're in trouble, or Jackson can run and do whatever he wants. The Patriots, who are out, still have that fear factor. I don't know that anyone's scared of the 49ers. I don't think they are, but I think that they're balanced, and I think that the rash of predictions for the Vikings is somewhat through green and gold tinted visors because they want the Packers to host the NFC Championship. Right. Um, I think the 49ers are better than most people think. And to Scott's point, a lot of people have doubted them all season long. And I, I think they're a good team. We'll continue to talk about the matchups coming up when we come back. We're broadcasting live out here at Club Paragon, Highway 100 in Greenfield. If you want to come on out, it's the Bill Michael Settle. We are brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. Talk more about this Packers matchup with Seattle coming up next. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. We've been in that situation with them since I've been in the league, um, having some some of those battles that go down to the end. So I don't see them being that way, but neither will we. So it's gonna you know it's gonna be about which team can finish the best, and you know obviously we're gonna try to put as many points on the board as possible, so we don't even end up in that predicament. But you know if that's the type of game it'll end up being, then uh, you know my money's on us to finish it. Those are the words of Devontae Adams. Welcome back to the program. We are broadcasting live out here on uh, Highway 100. We're at uh, Greenfield, as a matter of fact, and at uh, Club Paragon. If you want to stop by and say hi, we've got Dennis Krause from Spectrum News 1, also Scott Grotsky from CBS 58. Uh, Devontae Adams there talking about uh, getting ready for this matchup and uh, winning close games all throughout the season. How much do you think, uh, Dennis, I'll start with you, how much do you think that this close game mentality where, i got to be honest, there's been times where, even when the pack now the game against San Francisco is really the only blowout. But Chargers when, game wasn't pretty either. No, it wasn't pretty. But I even thought they could come back on the Chargers. There's times this year people said, "Aren't you worried?" And I'm like, "No, not really. I think they can come back and win this ball game." That mentality for this team, how much does that bode well for them in the postseason? I think uh, it bodes well because you're going to win close games in the playoffs. And let me just say this: um, as for their lack of dominance in the regular season, it's all true. But I didn't expect 13-3. and three. I didn't you know. So, I mean, it's like, what were you expecting? Yeah, they, they snuck by some ugly games. So what? They won. Right. I didn't have any money on it. I didn't care that they didn't win by a bigger spread. As Irv Favre used to tell us, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the field because it's a W in the win column. That's right. That's all you wanted to stack. And, and, and he's right in the very end. Yeah, see, I think it's going to be big for them if they get out of this week. I don't think it matters this week because Seattle's the same. Seattle's had those ugly wins. Seattle's had those close wins. And Seattle has a situation where whatever you may think of Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career, you feel good about him having the ball in crunch time when they need it. You feel the same about Russell Wilson. You don't know how you feel about Kirk Cousins or Garoppolo or even Lamar Jackson, who's going to be MVP but hasn't had that situation yet. So this is the one team where there isn't necessarily an edge of, okay, we've played a lot of close games. We've found a way to win. Because they're on the other sideline thinking the exact same thing. The uh, the narrative for the Packers, as we mentioned and, and we've been talking about, is close games. But like you said, Dennis, we didn't expect them to be thirteen and three. So the question then becomes: with the angst of Packer fan, should the expectation again be Super Bowl or bust, or just appreciate now because you're playing with kind of house money? Appreciate now what you've got. 
I'm not a big Super Bowl or bust guy uh, because I'm old enough to be scarred and brokenhearted enough <laughs> from 1968 through 1991. That's when I grew up, and right. the Packers weren't very good. So I think we're all, I'm including myself in this, the run from 1992 to now, we're all incredibly spoiled. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year, okay? You're just not. And for them to be as competitive as they've been on a consistent basis for as long as they've been, that's an achievement. See, to me, I think we started the season by saying 9, 10 wins, maybe 11 if you're lucky. Maybe you get some postseason experience and move on. Then you get the 13 wins. You got the number two seed. You got home field advantage for the first game. You got a divisional game. Here come the Seahawks, a beatable team. But I think now Packers fans are seeing, sitting back going, Scott, boy, we got to get this. This is the healthiest they've been in o- over a decade. Aaron Rodgers, not great, but now he's got a little bit of a defense. Man, if you don't win it now, that's another wasted year of Aaron Rodgers, and he's only got so many left. And maybe that's where the angst comes from. And I think it's fair to feel that way. I agree. I, would I call it bust if they don't? No. It was still a great oh, year for great Matt LaFleur in, in the first time. But at this point, you also have to be thinking. If the team bust careens off the road at this point and they can't play the game, it's still a great year. But I, I do think you, your expectations have shifted. Before too, too it was, okay, tennis, if, if, you made, if you would have made the division. I hope everybody's round, okay. Okay, yes. <laughs> but before the year, it was if you would have made the divisional round, oh, my God, it's the best year ever. Who cares what happens? At this point, you do have to be thinking, you know what? They have home field. They did win the division. The NFL has so much parity to where it, to expect that the Packers are automatically now, they're back, and it's going to be what we saw for the last 10 years before the last two seasons of every year they're in the playoffs and every year they have a shot. You can't expect that right now. You do have to expect that the Bears will be better next year. You do have to expect the Vikings are still going to be there, and the Lions, eh, whatever. We'll see what happens with the Lions. (laughs) Um, But in the NFL, it is so well-rounded and so competitive right now with so many of these teams coming out of nowhere at times. When you have the chance, you have to pounce. And you look no further than the 49ers. They were bad last year. They, They showed signs at times, but they were the best team in the NFC this year. That could happen again with any number of the teams in the NFC, and the Packers will have a harder schedule. Are we talking about the same thing if we're 49er fans? Because we've been bad for so long. You finally got it going on. You're the number one seed. When instead of just saying you're playing with house money, you should be the favorite to go win a Super Bowl. Out of the I NFC. think there's less pressure on them because of the age of that team. Yes. I do think there is some pressure on them because they have the one seed as well. But most of the key players, the defense on that team is very young. Garoppolo is still not in his – Garoppolo's what? 20 games into his career as a starter or something like that, 25, he's still young. They have their their young running backs. The only guy who's really leaving is going to be Emmanuel Sanders, who is the midseason addition. So I, I do think there's a little bit more leeway with them. I think the team facing the most pressure in the playoffs is Kansas City, to be honest with you. I agree. Uh, Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl. The Chiefs haven't been in the Super Bowl since Super Bowl Four with Hank Stram. You know, that's a drought. Right. Uh, the Packers have won Super Bowls. 49ers have won Super Bowl. Seattle has won Super Bowl. Now, the Vikings, you could say that they've never won a Super Bowl. But this year, as a wild card, they're playing with house money. Right. See, I do think, though, it's interesting. But their expectation, though, with Zimmer was Super Bowl this year. It was the start of the year, but it was With the money they the, the money playoffs, they paid obviously. to Kirk Cousins, yes. it was to get past ten wins and get wins in the in the postseason and get to the Super Bowl with what they believe is the last real shot at this but team. To me, it's interesting the way you phrased it, Dennis. Of the team that has the highest expectations, the highest pressure is Kansas City. Thinking about it in that lens, 
No, I, I didn't necessarily think it's Super Bowl or bust for Green Bay, but in the NFC, there's no team with more pressure on them than Green Bay because San Francisco does have the feeling of they could get there in the future. The Vikings have to have the feeling of if you're playing with house money, you beat the Saints that no one expected you to do. And Seattle is 95% of their team is injured. But do, so, you think, do you think, though, Zimmer, with the expectation at the beginning of the season to where they are now, yes, they went in and beat New Orleans, and that gives you a little bit of street cred, but the expectation wasn't to get to a divisional round well, game. The, the expectation the was to, to, to be better, to win the division, and then host. And they're not hosting, so they're on the road. They've already fallen short of their goal. What they're trying to do now is climb back to at least the reality of getting to their goal. Do you think Zimmer would be on the hot seat if they lose this game? No, because no. I think, this is my opinion here, that game where the Packers went to Minnesota and won handily, I think Mike Zimmer said, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice this game and the division title for the health of Delvin Cook in the playoffs because I think he's that much of a difference maker. And interesting comment that Scott made about more pressure on the Packers than anybody else. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I understand where he's saying it because Aaron Rodgers' age probably would be the biggest reason why. I look at it like they weren't expected to be here. you got a first-year head coach. I don't want to say this is all gravy, but I'm not sitting back going, oh, they have to win the Super Bowl this year. I, I don't feel that way. I mean, to me, though, it's part of it is just the way that the modern NFL is where teams come out of nowhere where realistically – I'm not sure any of these four teams in the NFC were supposed to be there. The Rams were the best team in the NFC Cowboys. West by a mile at the beginning of the year. That's what everyone expected. The Bears were the reigning division champions. I No, some people didn't think they were going to win the division again because of Trubisky, but they were the, the reigning champions. The Cowboys had a stacked team on paper. The Falcons were supposed to be better. The Saints, obviously, are a team that everyone's always picking. I don't know that there's anyone who going into week one could tell you with a straight face their four finalists in the NFC were the 49ers, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Seahawks. Should there be pressure on Sean Payton? Yes. yes. He's had the same record, basically the same winning percentage with the Hall of Fame quarterback that Mike McCarthy had. McCarthy got fired. Now, the one thing that buys him a lot of time is Hurricane Katrina. For what? I'm not not kidding. No. For what he did, what he and Drew Brees did in the community – to raise awareness to the problems, to go into the communities. You know, there was pictures and video of those guys going in on boats and helping families and stacking sandbags and helping people clean out their houses. And he got the, he organized things down there in a team. So my quote, my, it's, it's not that I'm saying it helped him. Because no, they I, I get what you're but saying. But my thing was is that he, between him and Drew Brees, they grabbed the heart of that city and held on to it. So they kind of own it. And you've never heard nary word one negative about that. See, I, I think with Peyton, the one thing that gives him sort of a pass, and it's been interesting seeing after the Vikings game, all those things did pop up of, okay, if McCarthy got fired with only one and Tomlin gets a, a lot of flack for not being as good with Roethlisberger, why doesn't Peyton, when everyone else is on that level too, the, the one thing for me that's different between Sean Peyton and what Mike McCarthy did, for whatever reason – the feeling after these Packers losses were they should have had it. The Seahawks game, obviously, is one of them, but it's just they were the better team. They should have made the run. They should have more. With the Saints, it sort of felt like, wow, what weird play kept them out of it this year? I'm really tired of Saints fans whining, though. I understood last I year, but come on. Sunday, I don't understand last year. You had three opportunities inside the 20 and couldn't punch it in. Certainly, certainly this year, year with the, the Rudolph... You know, what did he interfere? And let it go. You had your chances right. to win. Okay, so I really don't want to hear that whining. Here's the difference in my mind between Peyton and McCarthy, why Peyton has actually gotten a free pass. Not only back-to-back seven and nine seasons, but suspended for a year 
Right. For Bounty Gate. Right. And still he survives. Yes. I mean, that, that's a pretty charmed life. And he also, him and the quarterback are thick as thieves. Those two guys really respect each other. You always hear them talking about each other. It's kind words. They do appearances together. You never saw that in Green Bay. Yeah, no, there's not going to be that uh, that big expose piece once one of them leaves no. about how they, yeah, no, no that, that's not happening. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, we're going to hear from him when we come back. Stay tuned. We're broadcasting live out here at Club Paragon, Highway 100 in Greenfield. Stop on by and say hi. We're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light and also our great friends at ABC Audio Video, promising to get you the big screen TV in your home if you should win it uh, prior to the big game. Stay tuned. we got more right after this. Border to Border, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. It's Russell Wilson and the Seattle. He leans over to me and he grabs him by the, by the forearm and reaches out to shake my hand. He says, and you need to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I jumped up and hugged him, but uh, and I'll, and I'll stop right there. We had a hell of a time. Just, uh, just, uh, uh, the giggle in the background is one of Jerry Jones. <laughs> was it who, Jerry or was it Steven? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but I saw I them both Jerry. laughing. Uh, yeah. I think it was Jerry. Uh, well, Jerry's always next to a microphone. For yeah, I think sakes. Jerry was the louder one and Steven was the... <laughs> the, uh, the hiring of Mike McCarthy after the pillow fight at Jerry's house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... I go back to uh, the conversation. I read one report, by the way, that said he was never at the house. Yeah, he there actually was, there stayed in no a close by. Was it? Okay. So, uh, you know, the original, you know, visual was those guys sitting around in their jammies with a bunch of chefs and food. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's true. So. And you know what? Even if that was true, the weird thing is that would be less strange than how that press conference was. I don't know if you that guys was watched little, the yeah, whole thing. That was but a little that bizarre. Was, that was 35 minutes I will never get back, starting with Mike McCarthy making his, his first words as Cowboys head coach. I don't know what to. I don't know what to do with my hands. I've never. I've never sat at a table. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was. I, uh, and I and I love the hire. I, I think it's a great hire there. But that first impression that, that's always going to. He's with going me. with a lot of veteran coaches, Dennis. Yeah. Mike Nolan coming in. He's talking about a lot of older guys that have been there. They all have battle scars. They've all been on older staffs. This is not your new young. Shanahan, you know, naggy way of thinking. This is guys that are trying to reinvent themselves and bring luster back to the Dallas Cowboys. I don't necessarily agree with all of that because I think he's keeping Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. He's yes. a young man. Uh, the younger Fossil. But we know Mike's calling a play. Yes. The Fossil, who is the special teams coach with the Rams, is coming in. So, I mean, it's not like Sean Slocum wasn't available. 65 or 70-year-old assistant yeah. coaches. Um it's, you talk about Super Bowl or bust, it's Super Bowl or bust for Dallas. Oh, and that's why I think they're going with the veteran things. And you heard in that press conference, too, Jerry Jones went on for a minute and a half talking about what kind of guys you want to go to war with. And his main point from it is you want someone in the foxhole who has been shot and keeps fighting. And that's what a lot of McCarthy's coaching staff is to me. You know, Scott made the remark about seemed like when McCarthy's teams at the Packers lost in the playoffs, people wanted more. Well, think about Dallas's perspective with Jason oh, Garrett. Yeah. Because often it was McCarthy beating Jason Garrett right. and the Cowboys. So McCarthy looks pretty darn good to Cowboys fans. And, I, I again, I, I think it's a great hire. I think that the Cowboys will be in the playoffs next year. I think that it's going to be – I don't think that – Well, the they reason, have $70 million to spend. 
So, I mean, I think you're going to buy yourself a lot of uh, equity with uh, in, in giving Mike McCarthy enough weaponry right. to be yeah, able to say Prescott that. And they, and they have the weapons anyway. Yeah, I well, think Prescott's going to eat a ton of it. But I, I think to me, it's a good team that clearly underachieved. That's why Garrett's gone in the first place. And I think that McCarthy is a great NFL coach, or I'm sorry, a highly successful NFL head coach. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, I just, I think that 12 years in Green Bay, the message got stale. When Andy Reid, when they moved out in Philly, Andy Reid wasn't a bad coach magically. He was he had done his time in Philly. The message was over. Mm-hmm. He's now a great coach in Kansas City. I, I think McCarthy is in a very good position. To I, I like the hire. I just wait for the first dip of adversity to see where Jerry goes and what the message is from Jerry versus what the message is from Mike. Well, and someone At least s- now he's got a general manager who's going to talk for him. Someone said, though, that... McCarthy is at least to used to not shaping the roster because he won't be shaping the roster in Dallas. Yeah. It'll be Jerry Jones. Um, there will be ego collisions there. But if you're winning, there'll be a lot of smiles too. Right. Now, I, I'm not ready to say they're going to be Super Bowl favorites next year. I think to Scott's prediction, they're probably going to be a playoff team. They should have been this year with that talent. Uh, don't know how they missed the playoffs this year, quite honestly. They were banged up in the offensive line. I know Zach Martin was down for a little bit. They had a couple of guys down. They had. I to... wish the Packers and Cowboys played in 2020. Oh, they I don't. do too. They don't unless they both make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah if I, they would I, play I... and they play in Green Bay. Oh, oh my awesome. God. Yeah, that would. Uh, that would. Yeah, that would be fantastic. One hour down. One hour yet to go. Hang in. We are broadcasting live out here, Highway 100. If you want to stop by, it's the Bill Michaels Huddle at uh, our friends from Club Paragon. We are brought to you by Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. we got another hour yet to go right after this. Sixteen stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis. The best interviews. The best coverage. And no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Welcome, hour number two of the Bill Michael Settler. We're broadcasting live at Club Paragon. We're on Highway 100 in Greenfield, and we are glad you are here tonight getting you ready for the Packers and the Seahawks coming up this weekend at Lambeau Field. Dennis Krause from uh, uh, Time Warner, or not Time Warner, Spectrum, uh, Spectrum News 1. i got to make sure I get that right. Spectrum News, I'm old, old, old. I still call the Chargers the uh, San Diego Chargers. <laughs> and then, obviously, uh, Scott Grotsky from CBS 58 here as well. The Packers earn a bye to the divisional round. With a 13-3 and record overall, the Packers are 9-10 and in divisional rounds of the playoffs with victories in two of the last three. Green Bay also 6-1 and at home in the divisional round of the playoffs as well, which bodes well for this Packers team. Snow is forecasted for this game. How much? I know they're calling for shovelers on, a, I believe, Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sunday or Saturday morning. But nevertheless, uh, it looks as if there's going to be some snow in Green Bay, 20 degrees uh, plus maybe about 25, 26, a little bit of wind. But it doesn't seem, guys, Dennis, I'll go to you. Do you think weather is really going to be a factor in this ballgame? Well, I think they're talking about the weather coming in uh, the night before. Right. So I don't know what it's going to be Sunday at 5.40 p.m., but it might be fine. 
I just want to point out about their home record in the playoffs. They won their first 11 postseason games at Lambeau. But since Michael Vick came in there that night, they're 5-5 five and five right. in their last 10 home postseason. They're 0-2 against Eli Manning. Now, they have won their last two yeah. home playoff games. But, you know, it's it's not like you can say, well, we got them at Lambeau, we'll win automatically. It's not like that. Is this game in any way, shape, or form, as we sit here and watch the NFL Network, and the NFL Network had on that game from 2014, <laughs> by the way, the NFC 2014-2015. Yeah. Thanks the for NFL refreshing game. our memories. Yeah. Does this game in any way, if the Packers get a win, does this erase? No. In no, any way, shape, or form, anything of the pain from that uh, 2014 nightmare? No. No, not remotely. I mean, it's a different level of a game. It's a different team in a lot of the ways for the guys who are on it. It's a different coach. I mean, I, they win that game. I don't know that Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Packers right now, regardless of how the They last win that game, went. they win a Super Bowl. So I, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I firmly I don't believe know that. that. I don't know that you're moving on from two-time Super Bowl winning coach Mike McCarthy instead of one. I, yeah, I, I no, uh, It would not even remotely erase that That game, Dennis, really was the beginning of the end, in my opinion, because remember Mike McCarthy was asked after the game why Clay Matthews wasn't in, and then he gave up play calling, and he, because he took his foot off the gas for three straight plays in the third quarter, and then he didn't know where Clay was and wanted to be more of an observer and a manager of the team rather than the the head coach calling the plays, and that changed the dynamic. Uh, That had more to do with just a loss. That changed the dynamic of this franchise for years to come. And changed the life of Brandon Bostick. Yes, it did. Yes. Uh, to me, I mean, the only thing that saved it from McCarthy being gone a few years earlier after that happened was the run-the-table season. And it's not like they were a great team to run the table season. They just got really hot at the right time. you got to be good. you got to be lucky. you got to get hot. you got to be healthy. The Packers seem to have all of that working in their favor. So how good are they coming into the postseason? <laughs> uh, this is the healthiest they've ever been, as I, far I'll, as I I'll know. I'll be very blunt with you. I think they're good enough to win Sunday. I don't know that they're a Super Bowl team. Do you think they're good enough to beat – Minnesota, third time at Lambeau Field. Uh, I think they are, but I also don't think it'd be unthinkable that Minnesota would come in and win that game right. with a healthy Cook. See, Cook was healthy the last game, the the first game that they played of this season. He ripped yeah. off one run for 75, 75 yards, yards, got a yeah. touchdown. After that, they really kind of held but, it in check. But if you really want to analyze that first meeting at Lambeau, Vikings could have won that game if not for the unex, you know, the inexplicable interception that Cousins threw. You know what though, you can but say that's that so for Cousins. And you can say that for what ten of the thirteen wins for the Packers. The Packers could have lost if, but if didn't happen. They they have found a way to win these ugly games. And I, I was talking to uh, one of my buddies does radio over in Seattle, and he asked me to describe the Packers. It's a flawed team that finds a way to win. So I don't know that. Is, is this a great team? Is this awesome on paper? No. Is it a team that can make and win the Super Bowl? Yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm picking them. I'm not saying they're the clear favorite. Can they beat Seattle at home? Absolutely. Can they beat Minnesota at home? Absolutely. Can they beat San Francisco on the road? Yeah, I think they can. It's interesting to me when you look at the Seahawks team that are they what the Packers were in 2010? An injured wild card team won road games and found a way to win even though you look at their roster and say how are they winning right but they did i don't know if they are i'm just throwing that out there at the beginning of the season i went through the schedule like we all did and i said 
If they win in Chicago, I'll be amazed to open it up. Thursday night, standalone. They're unveiling Hallis, you know, statues and sweetness statues. And that all, one I got right. And, and so <laughs> I thought, boy, I just, I don't know. I thought new coach, you know, something to prove. Aaron Rodgers coming out with something on his shoulder. Here we go. This offense is good. And plus they kept saying, we got the offense. We don't need, uh, you know, training. We don't need uh, preseason. So I'm like, okay, you know, show us something. I'll, I'll take the Packers in this one. And then they get the win. And I thought, okay, huge win. And then you come back the next week and you get a win over Minnesota. Huge win. So I'm thinking Bears, Minnesota, and then you look, you got to go on the road against Dallas. There's your litmus test. Then you got to go into Kansas City. There's your litmus test. And then you finally, when you start to look at the schedule, you're like, eh, okay, maybe Philadelphia at home, all right. And then you say, San Francisco's no big deal, no problem there. And then I said, on that Monday night game in Minnesota, you get that. So they checked off most of the boxes, and yet – as we talked about at the beginning of the show, probably one of the most underrated teams because the excuse maker said Bears suck, Vikings were at home early in the season. Well, we all know that, uh, you know, Dak Prescott isn't Dak Prescott. So last year, Jason Garrett, that wasn't a good one. Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing against him down in Kansas City, even though Kansas City beat Minnesota the very following week with the exact same squad. What, other than the Monday night game in Minnesota, what was the signature win? I thought they were all good wins. Well, I... I, I'm glad you raised those wins, and I think the truth is somewhere in between. Those wins were not as impressive as maybe we thought they'd be at the time because, look, the Bears-Cowboys didn't make the playoffs at all. I firmly believe the Packers derailed the Bears' season. Were, were you – because we were down there for two days in Chicago. At the hotel that we stay, normally it's all Packers fans. That hotel had people flying in from out of town as Bears fans. That town was a buzz with the concerts in Grand Park, and all that's all people talked about. And I think they went in, and with all that pressure, they collapsed and they derailed their um, season. You could make that case. I, I would say this. I think the Bears season went south in London when the Raiders beat them. That too. Uh, because the Bears still looked pretty good when they beat the Vikings early in the season at Soldier Field. And they thought, well, okay, they're going to they're gonna still do what they were predicted to do. Right. So I'm not ready to go there that that – game at soldier field was the end all but i i think a point could be made that it certainly uh raised a flag on them as as for facing the chiefs without mahomes you're right they did beat minnesota without him and that loss was heinous i mean that cost the vikings the division title probably because if they win that game they're looking at things much differently for that second game against the packers best win to me, the Minnesota home one is sort of the signature win. Yeah. To me, that sort of encapsulates what the team is, where there were a lot of issues in that Minnesota home game, they, or in the Minnesota road game. They did have the three turnovers in the first half. They did have some missed throws from Aaron Rodgers. But the defense, and the defense wasn't phenomenal, but it was pretty darn good. And the defense got them in the position where they were able to, to get the win in the second half. I mean, that, that win to me sort of encapsulates what – the 2019 Packers were. And that's why, to answer your question about signature win, I'd say that win at Minnesota because it nailed down the division title. Yeah. All the things that Scott just enumerated there. And they, to me, they did it physically. Yeah. It was it was a really solid performance. Since San Francisco, they faced the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, the Vikings on the road, and then the Lions. Let me ask you this. Yes. If they go back to San Francisco, what has changed since 37-8? to 8? Nothing. The only thing, and I and I, we, we've had guys on that uh, the Lodge Kohler kickoff show, and I've asked them the same thing. I asked Mason Crosby last week the same thing. I said, "Which game did you get beat?" And they all to a man say the Chargers. We just didn't have it. I said, "Well, what happened in San Francisco?" He said, "We were toe to toe with them early on, and we believed they could we could win that game. They turned the ball over, 
early on. They put themselves in a hole. But he said, we had five or six plays that were big plays, two of which were scoring. They're all miscommunication. It was the communication. It wasn't necessarily we just got beat. It was we had a guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I do think there is a huge difference, and that's part of why, to me, the signature game for the Packers is the Minnesota Road one. Both those games started the same way. There was the opening drive for the Packers with a turnover right away. In Minnesota, they held him to a field goal. In San Francisco, it was 7-0 on the first play from scrimmage on that Tevin Coleman touchdown run. And that sort of was the start of the end of that game. And, and you're right, they didn't exactly fold in that game. They did stay in it for a little bit. But that was, you ask what's changed on paper, nothing. But going in there and having a game that starts fresh and you're not behind the sticks immediately is a huge difference. Since then, it's the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, of which they've given up, what is it, 13, 15, 13, 10, and then the 20 points to the to the, to the the Lions. Has this defense gotten that much better no. where they're holding teams under 20 points a game, or is it just the competition in which they played? Haskins wasn't good, obviously, for Washington. Played an inexperienced quarterback in, in Detroit area in uh, uh, New York. Obviously, Trubisky didn't play his best game against them. No, I mean, I, to but, me, but do we give the defense credit for then turning around on five straight teams and saying 20 points are under, you're not getting past us? You give the defense credit for beating the teams that are in front of them. It's all they can do. And I do give the defense credit for, yes, it is miles better than last year and even further better than two, three years ago. But at the same time, it's the... It's, it's not a lot different to me than at the start of the year. The start of the year, the defense looked phenomenal. They were playing Trubisky. They were playing Cousins. And then after they got past the two of them in Flacco, then they started playing the Carson Wentz's, the Dak Prescott's, and you saw a noticeable dip in the defense. And I do think that when you're talking about those five teams, you're looking rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football without Dalvin Cook, rookie quarterback. Yeah, I, I would say what Scott just said there is is key. I don't think this is a dominant defense. Now, having said that, I, I think the performance that Zadarius Smith had at Minnesota was that one was of the dominant. best I've ever seen by a Packers defensive player. But if you're asking me, is, is this a dominant defense that can carry you to a Super Bowl victory? I'd say no. Is this a defense that has gotten steadily better as the season's gone on? Or is this, no. Is it, I was going to say, is this Because a they had that dip in the season. In it the was, middle it was of the a peak and valley, yeah. And it, it's not... As much as we may want it to be, it's not a coincidence when you look at the teams that were able to put up points against them. They have good quarterbacks. They have the Russell Wilson-esque guys, and they have offenses. The teams that didn't, again, you, you can't fault them for beating the teams that they beat defensively, but it's just not the same. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're broadcasting live out here. Club Paragon Highway 100 in Greenfield. If you want to come by and say hi, we've got a lot of people that are pouring, uh, pouring into this place. We've got the sprinkler fitters here tonight as well, so thanks to them for coming by. Hang out with us, Dennis Krause, Scott Grotsky. I'm Bill Michaels. we got more right after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. It's on my mind every day. I mean, that's that's why we play the game. That's why you put in the time in the offseason. That's why you do the little things. It's to put yourself in this position where we're two games away from being able to compete for that. So, I mean, I'm 36. I know what this is all about. This is an important opportunity for us. I feel like I got a lot of really good years left, but uh, you never know. A lot of things happen year to year. You never know. I don't want to say that he cracked the door open for retirement. He didn't pull he didn't. a fire there. No. 
I think maybe he's talking about you never know whether because uh, when he said that and we played that back uh, earlier in the week, people said, "Wait a minute, is he pulling a farm? You never know. Maybe no, I won't no, come back." If you no, listen you to the whole remark, he got his. Tw- I think I got several years left. Right. What he's saying is, you never know if I'll get back to this. Right. See, I, I, I took it that way. You took it that way. We all no. stand there. And we've seen no. it, but. $26 million Malibu mansion, and people are saying Danica's dragging him away from the game. That ain't happening, so just thought I'd throw it out there. Uh, there you have it. So uh, we are broadcasting live out here, Highway 100. We're in Greenfield, and uh, we're at Club Paragon if you want to stop in. Terrific place, great to place uh, to come in and see the games. they got big screens that pull down out of the ceiling. They've got TVs everywhere and an awesome place to come by and say hello. And we're brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network, Dennis Krause alongside, also Scott Gronsky. So we'll, we'll talk more about the other games coming up this weekend uh, here after the bottom of the hour, but just kind of wrapping things up with this game. What is, if you had to say there's the key to this game is, fill in a blank, what is it, Dennis? I would say uh, containing the Seattle running game early. If they get Homer and Lynch going and they can kind of take the crowd out of it and jump out to a lead, that's a problem. Now, if you jump out to a 14 nothing lead and make them one-dimensional and you shut down their run game, I like your chances. See, I think it's the opposite end of that. I, I think that it's containing Russell Wilson and stopping the big plays from that. I Maybe I'm over-reading too much into it. I'm not worried about Homer. I'm not worried about Lynch. I'm not worried about the running game. I am worried about what happens if there's over-pursuit from the Smiths and, and Wilson's able to break the pocket and able to, to get those 20-yard runs and to get those deep balls that, I'm not sure there's anyone who throws a prettier deep ball in the NFL right now than him, and you saw what can happen when him and Metcalf are connecting against the Eagles. You've seen it with Tyler Lockett before, and I, to me there is nothing scarier in this game than Russell Wilson. We're all in agreement. I think the matchup is the defense, and it's the first time in a long time that I can remember we're talking defensive football rather than talking about whether or not the Packers match up well against the defense that they're about to face. Speaking of that, the, uh, the, the over-the-middle pass, which is what we've discussed a little bit, but it seemed to be the Achilles heel of this defense all season long. Over the middle, moving the sticks. Third down percentages have escalated uh, throughout the season. Now they've come down in the last four or five games because, we, as we agree, the competition. But that being said, what do you do? How would you rate the middle coverage of this team, Dennis? And obviously Blake Martinez is in there because I think a lot of people look at Blake Martinez because he wasn't as highly drafted. Kind of A.J. Hawk 2.0. He's going to be very assured tackler. He's not going to be great in coverage. He doesn't have a ton of speed. But he's the, the word I hear with him all the time is he's solid. That's like calling a quarterback a game manager sometimes. He's solid. But do they need to be more dynamic in the middle of this defense? Uh, yes, they need to be more dynamic in the middle of the defense. But Blake Martinez, whether it's the Packers or somebody else, is going to get a nice paycheck this offseason because he's a free agent. Uh, don't take what he does for granted um you can say well he gets a lot of tackles but he doesn't make impact plays i disagree i think blake martinez is someone you want to keep to me i I think he actually reminds me a lot of bobby wagner in seattle and i I think that's a good and a bad thing wagner's first team all pro this year wagner is always a a very sure tackler wagner's beatable in pass coverage and that's why Seattle has had some problems across the middle and they've had some problems with tight ends going off against them. In this game, I think it's a good matchup for Martinez and that it's a, not exactly the fastest running game. And 
The best tight end on Seattle is Will Disley. He's been out for eight weeks. Jacob Hollister's not going to give you nightmares. Tyler Lockett is not really a go-across-the-middle kind of guy. Metcalf has turned more into an outside receiver. I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup for Martinez. I don't know if I would want to pay him the kind of money that I think he might get on the open market because of those tackle numbers. Because to me, solid is the right word. He's a very solid player. He is not someone who I'm looking at as... He's solid. You don't want to pay him as a superstar. Correct. I, I, I wouldn't be wanting to break the bank for him. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said there, but I just if you go into the 2020 season without him... Yeah, I mean, they, they need to find something. So, I mean, I, you're going to pay somebody yeah, to come yeah. in because you're not going to do it via the draft. Yeah. You may find somebody, but they're not going to become seasoned that quickly. Do you think Metcalf gets over 100 yards receiving in this game? I don't, but the problem with Seattle and the problem that scares me with Seattle, he can get 60 on one pass easily. I think he gets 100 and only into the end zone one time. And if that happens and that's all he gets, I'll take that because that means the Packers most likely will win this ballgame. Yeah, I, I think he's under that. I think Lockett's the one who's going to have the bigger game. Why? I can't give you a real reason other than a feeling. I mean, if I'm petting, probably it's anywhere Lockett goes, Jair Alexander goes. Yeah. Right? But Jair Alexander has been beatable at times by some of the, the better receivers in the NFL. I, I think Lockett, he had, what was it, a quad injury, I believe, or it was a calf injury I think uh, it was calf about injury. like two months ago. I think he's healthy now. I think there's going to be a little more attention on Metcalf than there would have been because of the game that he had against Philly. And to me, I still think the same way that when things broke down in a, key, in a key playoff game, even in this game, if things break down for the Packers, you can talk about how Alan Lazard has grown as a player. You can talk about how MVS has the intangibles and he has the speed. When Rodgers needs a completion, he's going to look to Devontae Adams. And I think when Russell Wilson needs one, it's going to be Lockett as the guy he goes to, and that's why I think he'll have a bigger game. Do you think Russell Wilson throws for over 300 yards? Yes. I don't think that'd be a good thing for the Packers if he does. I could see it going either way. I, I, I could see it being he throws for 300 because they're down and he needs to be throwing. True. And uh, as much as we've talked about how the defense is, it, like that 20 is like the key number, Right. I also could see the flip side of this. Of Seattle's defense is very beatable. So is there a scenario in my head where the Packers are up 31 to 13 and Russell Wilson's throwing? Yeah, that, that's a possibility to me that he ends up Last game like against that. Philadelphia, he was 18 of 30, 325 yards yeah. and a touchdown for 108. And I think he led the team in rushing too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, Their rushing game was nothing because they had 17 carries and 19 yards between Homer and Lynch. Yeah. But it, it, it's not like if they had 19 yards between those two, it's not like, oh, Wilson beat him because he had 21 yards. He had what, 45, 45 yards, yards on nine carries. Nine so carries, it's not like he was doing yards. nothing. I'd. I'd I think you've got a problem if he rushes for over 40 yards Sunday evening. I think if he rushes for 40 yards and all he does is throw one touchdown, I think you're okay. But if if you have Lynch, they take it down the field, take it down the field, take it down the field. Lynch has two touchdowns. Wilson has one. Metcalf, you know, then obviously things have gotten away from you. But it, Philadelphia was able to hold them. That, the highest scoring game of the weekend was 26-20. That was in overtime when the Vikings beat – the, the Saints, that was the highest scoring yeah, game I mean, of the weekend. I, this has become a very defensive postseason so far. To me, it's just, it's hard to play the, the numbers game of if they get X number of rushing yards, will they win? If they get X number of passing yards, will they win? Because it all just depends on how those come about. I think 24 is the magic number. For points, I think that's for a points. fair thing to I do. Mean, for I think yards, that's what it is. I, I think it can, it can get skewed. They get to 24 or more, I think the Packers lose the game. 
Packers get the 24 or more, they win the game. I would say this, and we always talk about, you know, Seattle didn't rush at all well against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defensive line is better than the Packers. And Fletcher Cox okay. had the game of but his Seattle life. But Seattle also hasn't rushed well against anyone since Carson went but down. But as you said, they're going to stick with it. Yeah, they are. Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll start to look at the rest of the games on the docket this coming weekend. We'll take a look at the Saturday games, which includes the Minnesota Vikings going into San Francisco. Broadcasting live at Club Paragon here on Highway 100 in Greenfield. If you want to stop by, come on in. Say hello. they got some Bud Light specials going on tonight as well. Brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network and ABC Audio Video. And they're giving away the big screen TV that we're giving away. And they promise to have that in your home prior to the big game coming up from uh, Miami here in just a couple of weeks. I can't believe it's already upon us, but it is. So stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up next. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. I, I always, and I did it with you guys, and I did it with the guys in Seattle, and I, I just grew up learning this i think and communicating with players you guys it's your team i'm there to try and put you in a position to the best position to win you guys are playing the game and so i'm there to help you mike holmgren our flagship station out of milwaukee 1250 a.m and 105.7 fm yesterday he was joining the big show those are his words right there he has taken uh, the green bay packers and the seattle seahawks both to a super bowl and that was his philosophy on getting into the postseason and how he made his uh, well his star players even better by telling them I'm only here to help you be better. Um, Mike Holmgren, yes, I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame this year. He's part of the right. Centennial nominees. The other thing I would say is that Mike Holmgren's last playoff game as a coach was the last playoff game the Seahawks played at Lambeau Field after the 2007 season. That was the uh, we'll take uh, the ball first. No, no, it no, was, that it was, was the oh, snow that was the snow globe game. game. Yeah. So, yes, that was uh, the snowball and fireman's carry from Aaron Rodgers to Donald Driver. We want the ball we're going to score was 04? That was after uh, Matt Hasselbeck, yes. Yeah. And then Al Harris with, uh, as Wayne called it, dreadlocks in his wake. That's correct. That was the pick six that uh, that went, and that was the end of it. So the game's coming up this weekend, the first one, uh, which is an oddity because you've got it on the West Coast, but it's the early game on Saturday. 4.35 Eastern, 3.35 Central. Uh, the 49ers hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And we discussed this just a little bit uh, looking forward, uh, maybe, uh, and hopefully getting an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. What are the Vikings – what has Kirk Cousins got? Because this is really too – to this point in time, untested quarterbacks who haven't, Kirk Cousins obviously getting a win last week, but does Kirk come in with more momentum or does Garoppolo come in with the momentum of being the number one seed in this ballgame, Dennis? Uh, you know, I look at this game really more about who can run it than the quarterbacks. The Vikings defense actually had the best numbers all season against tight ends, so we'll see if they contain Kittle. But the 49ers want to run it, and the Vikings want to run it too. So who can run it better, I think, wins the game. Yeah, to me, there is no momentum at this point in the season between those two teams. They both have reasons to be confident coming in. To me, the biggest thing in this game is going to be who scores first, more than any of these other ones. And in any game, you can always say scoring first is important. But in this one, both these teams are built to play with a lead, not the other way around. And both these teams have quarterbacks where does Garoppolo do some good things sometimes? Yeah, and Cousins does too. But do I trust them? down 17-7 to going into the second half? Absolutely not. Do I trust Dalvin Cook and the 
hodgepodge of running backs that the 49ers have behind that offensive line? Yeah. See, what I, I, I go by something relatively different, and that is both quarterbacks I've seen throughout the season, they'll throw you a couple. Mm-hmm. It's who takes advantage of which quarterback's going to give you the turnover. Kirk Cousins has played well as of late. Didn't play good in that uh, that Monday night game, and then obviously uh, didn't really play a whole lot in the last game of the season against the Bears. But uh, both guys I've seen under pressure just throw balls inexplicably terribly. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't disagree with that. But Garoppolo, I'm not saying he's Montana or young, but he's very young in his career as far right. as a starter. And I think that people that have made conclusions on him about whether he is or is not a big game quarterback, it's way premature. Now, Kirk Cousins has been around a while. <laughs> you know, you've got a sample size there. And was what he did in New Orleans the start of what he's going to do this run, or was that his high point? We shall see. Well, who's the better quarterback? Is it Cousins by sheer number of wins and games, or is it Garoppolo who finally got healthy and took him to a, this record of 13-3? and three? I, to me, it's a nearly impossible question to answer because it depends on how you look at it. Who is the better skill set? Who has the better potential? Who has, if I need one really great throw, who has a better chance of getting it? Probably Cousins in my mind. Who has a better chance of making a crucial mistake? Also Cousins. So it, it's a really Who's hard question to ask. Both of them. Both yes. of them, yes. <laughs> Um, I, well, I watched the end of that Seattle game when they went into overtime out there, and that was when Garoppolo choked. He choked. And and that's when I went, okay, make a note of that if they have to face them in the postseason because you're seeing a guy for the first but time. How did, how did he play in the second meeting? He played better. Okay. But it didn't come down to overtime. It was a good game, but it was Russell Wilson and the delay of game call that actually cost them that Who choked game. them? Who, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, actually, it was Skittle Boy because he couldn't find his helmet to get in on the play on time. <laughs> Skittle Boy. You know? You wouldn't so, call him that to his face. I would in a heart. It's, well, it's okay because he wouldn't Skittle answer me man. back. It, okay, Skittle Man. <laughs> he wouldn't answer me back anyway. He'd just say, I'm only here so I don't get fined. So, but no, I, I, it wasn't uh, Garoppolo that had to make a big play down the stretch. It was Russell Wilson who took him to the – and I really thought at that point in time when they got in, they were a yard and a half out. Here comes, you know, here comes Marshawn Lynch. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, you're not going to run him. Everybody in the stadium wants you to run him, but you're not going to run him. You're going to pass the ball. We're going to see either one, a brilliant play, and very much reminiscent of the Super Bowl in which they should have ran Marshawn Lynch and they didn't. Or just that. You're going to throw the ball. It's going to fall incomplete. And everybody's going to say, why didn't you run Marshawn Lynch? And then they took the delay of game penalty, and they screwed the Packers over royally. Just another reason to hate the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> in my opinion. I just thought I'd throw it out there. And then you've got to the Tennessee Titans. They're on the road taking on the Ravens. By the way, who wins? Minnesota. I, I like San Francisco. You like San Fran? I keep wanting to pick Minnesota just because I don't trust San Francisco, but there's just there's no legitimate reason why I would. So I San Francisco. I'm taking San Fran, but it's only for the fact that just because I've seen them more physical, uh, you know, all season long. They've, what play, I've seen they've played better all season long. Yeah, I, I'll go along with that. But uh, uh, it's not because of Levi Stadium. Levi Stadium is not a home field advantage. No. It's not like it's loud and deafening, not like old candlestick. It's got that college feel. It's got that shorter side on one side and a really high side on the other, almost now, like playing down in Texas. Granted, it is different what the Packers went into earlier this year where there was a lot of Packers people traveling. It's a regular right? season game. This is going to be all 49ers fans, but no. It's still it's not the same as it's not the same even as Minnesota and the advantage right. they have. Oh, absolutely. I'll take the 49ers though as well in this contest. Titans are on the road. Vrabel gets the win against the Master. They seem to be riding a little bit of a high. They were able to stymie and outthink a little bit of what Tom Brady was doing. 
But they're going into a buzzsaw in Baltimore. I, I, first of all, I can't believe this game is the late, late game, which is an 8-15 Eastern time, 7-15 Central. Um, but the Ravens at home, Lamar Jackson's been nothing short of phenomenal this year. He's going to by far win the MVP. Do the Titans have a shot, Dennis? They have a shot. I, I would pick Baltimore in this game. I, I don't know why you're that shocked that the number one seed with the MVP is getting primetime when CBS had the nighttime oh, game. Oh, I'm just saying it's just that late a game. It's an East Coast that late a game. That's, as long as we keep talking about how you can watch that game on CBS 58 in Milwaukee, I think that's a great <laughs> idea. That's 7.15 Central, let's point out. I can picture Scott now sitting in the back and, and going, you know, when I mean, is this I, game going to end? It's there, going there's going to be pregame on, too, and you should stick around for the 5 o'clock news, <laughs> maybe right. the after-game news. I like I, Baltimore I think I'm done now. by a sizable margin. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't see how you could pick against Baltimore in this game. They are the best team in the NFL right now. They have the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And the, the Titans are still Ryan Tannehill. The, the Titans are not a scary team. I don't know how they beat New England. I don't know how they got in the playoffs other than that the AFC was weak to the point where Buffalo was in and Oakland had a chance. And uh, who was the other team? That was, uh, the Steelers almost had a chance with Duck Hodges. They got in because Tannehill was accurate and Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing. They got in because those things happened, but also because they had to beat Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, Derek Carr, and a team that was still looking for Antonio Brown. And they still couldn't get in above the Josh Allen Bills as the five seed. I mean, you, you're right. Tannehill earned himself some serious money, and Derrick Henry is a great running back. John Harbaugh, because just, of yeah. what they were able to accomplish this year, is he legitimate, the, the coach of the year, or we got a couple other candidates that are probably going to get stronger consideration? Uh, I, I think he'll win it just because of their dramatic uh, victory total. I think Kyle Shanahan will get votes. I think Matt LaFleur deserves votes. Uh, nobody's talking about LaFleur. I'm listening to the national pun. Nobody's even well, talking about it. It's the same about. thing if no They're basically saying he's getting pack. it done because of Aaron Rodgers, and then in the next breath they'll all say Aaron Rodgers is having a bad See, season. To me, it's, it's nationally the, the expectations of what the Packers are are down across the board. People don't think Rodgers had a good year. People don't think LaFleur had the year they should have. And you saw the all-pro teams. It's Bakhtiari on the second team all-pro. That's it for a 13-3 and team. Across the board, there, there's not a single person who's really getting the the credit for being a 13. Maybe Aaron Jones. Maybe Aaron Jones. A little bit, but he's really he, kind wasn't, of he wasn't even a Pro Bowl. And uh, it, it's not to say that he doesn't deserve the credit. I right. think that he does, and Zadarius Smith, I think, for sure does. Um, but there's just there's no one who has been this is the guy that all the national writers and all the national pundits are saying all right this has brought the packers this is your offensive player of the year coach of the year whatever it's just not happening sometimes the national respect and the awards come a year after mm -hmm. so uh your point is well taken I, I would say this about john harbaugh i give him a ton of credit he went from joe flacco right to saying you know i need to do things differently let's go with lamar jackson let's tailor the offense and they around did him. that in the postseason yeah. last year and would not pull jackson out when he was having a horrible postseason yeah. to go with the veteran flacco and he said nope that's our guy we're going to stick with him and then ultimately yeah. subsequently you know flacco gone in the offseason well, and frankly so. some of it too is the same thing for aaron jones aaron jones had a great year no he's not first team or second team all pro to me because he didn't have as good a year as a derrick henry or right. a christian mccaffrey Matt LaFleur had a great year as a head coach. No, he didn't do as much as Harbaugh did, in my opinion. Harbaugh should be the coach of the year. You know, one of the guys that uh, kind of gets shafted in this whole discussion, after losing his quarterback, starting off really slow, Mike Tomlin had a hell of a year just to get Pittsburgh yeah. back from the dead. They started off 1-4. and four. If he'd made the playoffs, if the Steelers had made the right. playoffs, he would have gotten a lot of votes. They, they ran into the, the last game against Baltimore, unfortunately. But, no, I completely agree with you. But I thought he... 
I was counting them out, and then all of a sudden one day you open up the standings, and you're like, wait a minute, they got a shot, you well, know? And frankly, for Coach of the Year consideration, Mike Vrabel should be getting some votes Correct. as well. I mean, yep. that, that's a guy who took a team that you went into that year thinking, okay, this is the prove-it year for Mariota, and you're going to find out if he's your guy, only to five weeks in decide, okay, Ryan Tannehill did absolutely nothing in his career in Miami. We're going to make the playoffs with this guy, and we're going to make him look like he's a legitimate quarterback. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Texans and the Chiefs and obviously make our picks for the Green Bay Packers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Huddle. That is coming up. We are brought to you by Bud Light, broadcasting live from Club Paragon Highway 100 at Greenfield. Come on by. Say hello. we got more right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. execution um just staying calm cool and collected and really just you do need a little bit of luck but i do feel like it's just more of a, a just a team game just just if everybody just stay together keep playing because you always know somebody going every team gonna make good plays and bad plays but it's about how many times can you execute and do your job and limit it on the mistakes that's it. It's that simple. Jamal Williams, running back for the Green Bay Packers, the voice that you hear. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Huddle, live out here at Club Paragon, Highway 100 and Greenfield. If you want to stop by and say hi, still plenty of time to come in. Get registered for uh, some of the prizes the Bud Girls are giving away. And then if you uh, want to get that big screen TV, giving it away again and next, giving you some more opportunities next week as well as we got another huddle before we finally give this thing away. Dennis Krause from Spectrum News 1, also Scott Grodsky from CBS 58 is here as well. I'm Bill Michaels. Uh, the other games on the docket are the Sunday games. The uh, Texans get a big win at home, a third down sack by none other than J.J. Watt. Changes the tide at Energy Stadium, but can they do it on the road in KC at Arrowhead? Uh, this matchup is intriguing. We talked a little bit about Andy Reid before, uh, Dennis and Scott. Scott, I'll start with you. So the keys to this ball game are just simply keeping Patrick Mahomes upright and doing what they do. And they, to me, they just should win, although Deshaun Watson has been pretty solid this season. And this is the game that could be 45-42 of this weekend. We didn't get any of those in the first right. weekend. But these are these are two teams with explosive offenses, and Kansas City's defense has a lot, that, uh, a lot to yearn for in Kansas City. To me... KC is the clear favorite here, but I, I think that Houston and Minnesota are the two teams that probably have the best chance to pull the upset this weekend. But I, to me, I, I wouldn't be picking against Mahomes in this game. I think it's going to set up an unbelievable matchup of uh, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson in the in the AFC Championship game. I think uh, Houston benefited from a gag job by Buffalo, mm-hmm. and I think that Kansas City, which is weird because Buffalo usually does so well in the playoffs. Kansas City, Kansas City wins Sun uh, this weekend, and they win the AFC Championship game in Baltimore. So you already predicting the week after? Yes, they're going to be down in Miami. The team, you know what? How big would that be for Andy Reid? To get back to a Super Bowl, I mean, does he have to win it or just get to it? This would and, be his and how second. big would it be if it's the Packers and the Chiefs in a rematch of Super Bowl One? Right. This is year what? One hundred? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, for the NFL, this I mean, historically speaking, there's storylines there. You know what I'm saying? Although I, I do think the NFL, I think their ratings will be okay anyway. I, I, I have a hunch. I, yeah. yeah, but I think the worst matchup. What, what would the worst matchup be? Tennessee, Minnesota. Tennessee, Minnesota? Yeah. Not the intrigue for Tennessee, who was close and came up three yards short. Small and, market, faceless franchise. Right? Yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry. But if, if I'm talking as a, as a TV executive and I want to try to pitch, all right, you're going to see Ryan Tannehill playing against Kirk Cousins. I'd rather yeah, go out to the that's... parking lot and slam my appendage in a car door. I yeah. get it. Okay. <laughs> Completely understood. 
In the meantime, you got the Seahawks coming into Green Bay, and we've all kind of laid it out that this is the way the Packers need to win, and that's defensively keeping Russell Wilson in the pocket. So after all is said and done, Dennis, when we're doing postgame shows, are we talking about the Green Bay Packers advancing? Yes, 24 to 23. Uh, I think it's really? Gonna, yeah, I think it's going to be a very close game like these two teams have played all season long. So I'd be surprised if anybody runs away with it. See, I don't think it's going to be that close. I don't think it's going to be a runaway. I don't think it's going to be a 25, 30-point win. I think the Packers are going to get up early, and I think that the Packers are going to be able to hold on. I, I have it at 34-21. I, I think it's going to be that game where Aaron Rodgers does throw the ball better than we've seen so far in the past few weeks, and the defense is able to do just enough. There will be some big plays from Wilson, uh, but I, I think you're looking at something along the lines of 17-7, to 20-7 at halftime, and then Packers holding on. 27-24 is what I'm picking for the Packers to get a win, but how apropos would it be for the season off the field that he has had for a guy like Mason Crosby to kick a game winner? We okay. saw it earlier this season. He got a chance to do a Lambo leap. He was excited. The team obviously has rejuvenated, uh, uh, very jubilant with him twice this season on game winners. But after everything he's gone through, it would be kind of kind of neat to see him. Now I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to win, so this will be the last home game for the Packers at Lambeau before they go face the 49ers. But it would be great one more time at Lambeau Field in the 2019-2020 season that Mason Crosby ends it that way. You know, there's so much talk about off-season free agents and who's most important right. to sign. And I'm not saying Mason Crosby is number one, but I think you should keep him. Uh, kicking around the NFL is, oh, is God, not that yeah. great. And if God, you've yeah. got somebody like him in a cold-weather city that can perform most of the time, keep him. He's still getting it from about 50 yards, too. I mean, I know his percentage is not well, uh, they, they did lifetime better, but, yeah, they uh, they gave him some help this year. And, and I, I think now – uh, after talking to him last week, they really feel that they've got a good setup with snapper, holder, and that has become almost machine-like. And uh, sometimes it's just getting the process down that can make you that much better as well. Uh, any kind of an MVP in this game? Are we talking about Aaron Rodgers coming up big? I uh, would go with uh, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones? I think it's going to be Rodgers in this one. I, I think if there's going to be a playoff game where he's going to really show out, I, I think it's going to be at Lambeau against Seattle. I know that they want to run the ball, but I can't help but think that Aaron Rodgers heard about ESPN picking him at 11th out of the 12, quor 12 quarterbacks coming into the postseason. And one of the NFC scouts in the Forbes piece saying he looks like he doesn't want to get hit anymore. Uh, I think we may see toughness, and I think we may see him throw for about 250 to 270 yards, maybe two touchdowns, nothing crazy but maybe one of his best games of the year as well. So that's it. We got the Packers getting a win. They advanced then, uh, by all account, going on to San Francisco. Dennis, you already said it's Kansas City in. Is it Kansas City and San Francisco? I can't give you everything tonight, Bill. Jeez. Um, you take us to the I, edge. I, I would just say this. I think the Packers would play San Francisco better than 37-8. to 8, Yes. But I don't know if they'd win that game. I think I would take San Francisco. I, for what it's worth, I'm taking Baltimore over Kansas City, too, though. So, there you go. Uh, I, so, you already know Dennis is wrong about one of them. <laughs> well, let me just say this. I was 0-4 last weekend. So okay. Don't be running to place no, any no, bets no, no. on what I'm saying. I, I tell you what, there is not one game other than maybe Baltimore that I would feel comfortable putting a house on. Uh, maybe 50 I bucks. I wouldn't put but, the house on Baltimore. So, well, that's the only one that I feel at least comfortable with. Be it the, the rest of the games this weekend, I think. Anything can happen. I mean, my, my house is much less expensive than both of you guys, so I can do it on all four. <laughs>
Don't That's be so it. Sure. Dennis Krause from Spectrum News 1, Scott Grotsky from CBS 58. I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks to everybody out here at Club Paragon for coming out and enjoying the night. Thanks to you for taking a listen to us. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks to Bud Light. Time for us to go. Have a go. Zip. Sports Talk Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.